The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now, only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Fire! 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 <laughs> Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorable. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Gerald Ford dead today at age 84. <laughs> uh, a little sadder. All right, all right. Gerald Ford dead today at age 84. That was good, good. Okay, what now, what now? Uh, now let's do one for if he's shot. Well, what are the chances of that? We're, we're just covering contingencies. Tom. I mean, it just seems like Gerald Ford... Look, not look, gonna... look, look. You're the one who wants to spend the whole winter in Barbados, okay? All right. You know, we got to get ready. we got to be ready with something just in case. All right, all right Tom? All right, all right, all right. Gerald Ford shot dead today at age 83. Uh, add the word senseless. All right. Gerald Ford shot dead today at the senseless age of 83. Um, uh, all right, all right, all right, yeah. all right. Gerald Ford dead today after jumping out of an office building senselessly. It's a nice touch. Uh, okay, moving on. All right. Gerald Ford dead today from an overdose of crack cocaine. Good, good. Next. All right. Tragedy today as former President Gerald Ford was eaten by wolves. <laughs> he was delicious. Bob Seska! I don't know what we're yelling about! The Bob Seska Show! Hello, Bob. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. It is uh, Thursday, August 10, 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I'm Bob, and we're brought to you by uh, the best soap in the world. It's <laughs> BubbleGenius.com. Also by Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. <laughs> God damn, that's so funny. <laughs> Saturday Night Live, Robert Smigel and Dana Carvey with one of the great political sketches of all time. Holy hell, that is funny. That is funny. Tom Brokaw was busted one time for uh, for pre-recording uh, uh, obituary announcements for when he was on vacation. Mm -hmm. So just randomly talking about, and I think one of them was Gerald Ford. I think it was actually Gerald Ford that he recorded. So, <laughs> Oh, by the way, you hear her voice behind me. It's Kimberly Johnson. She's right over there. Hello. Hello. Hola. Kimberly Johnson from Liberals Unite. She's also the author of Peyton's Choice and the and the sequel, Peyton's Choice 2, Peyton's Fetus. <laughs> That's Bob's idea. <laughs> if you missed Friday's after party, you missed quite a bit. You, you missed my spitballing of the uh, the sequel to Kimberly Johnson's book. It's, uh, it's exciting. It is. <laughs> it's an unexpected turn, and I still think you should do it. I still think you should do it. I'm not going to yeah, reveal. Yeah, I'll do it when you can... Uh, you can tell my father the idea with a straight face. <laughs> I can never ever do. That. I tried, and I and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But if you want to know what the uh, what my sequel idea is for <laughs> Kimberly's book, you have to have to listen to last Friday's after party. You have to go subscribe it. Well, actually, what it's you really do, gross. Yeah. Well, it's not gross. It's fun and funny and exciting. <laughs> 
It's exciting. It's an exciting sequel. I have to say that. <laughs> okay. Is, yeah. And, and, and it's it, an exciting sequel. And it's Peyton's un- fetus. Peyton's fetus. And it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. Well, just the reason it the reason you're calling it Peyton's fetus is because in the book Peyton's Choice, the 17 year old character eventually decides to have an abortion. Yes, but <laughs> there's there's my there's my butt there's my secret subtext to the yes. whole thing that happens at the end and <laughs> then and then that leads into our sequel. Which uh, you'll have to go to bobsesco.com and click the Patreon link and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> $10 a month gets you the after party every week. And, and then you can go and listen and you can find out. Or you can go to our Bandcamp page and, uh, and just download it one off. <laughs> but I'd rather you do p- the Patreon route. Yes. But anyway, so, uh, so Kimberly Johnson's here today. We got lots to talk about. Um, I don't know exactly where to begin, but I think this poll was uh, really interesting and revealing. There's a new poll out today showing that half of all Republicans are totally in favor of postponing the 2020 election. That sounds really encouraging. Yeah, if Donald Trump decides that, well, you know what? Uh, Screw the election. Screw (laughs) democracy. (laughs) More than half, 52%, said that they would back postponement of the next election if Trump called for it. Pollsters also found 47% of Republicans think Trump won the popular vote. Interesting. Uh, A majority of Republicans, 68%, also think millions of illegal immigrants voted in the presidential election. And 73% think that voter fraud happens somewhat or very often. Yeah, because they don't read. Yeah, they don't read. And it's completely wrong. It's not even a fact. There is no such thing as voter fraud. Statistically, it does not exist. Maybe out of, I don't know, a billion votes over the last 10 to 15 years, there have been like five cases. Five cases. And some of those- It's ridiculously low. Yeah, and some of those didn't even turn out to be prosecutions. They've done studies in Iowa. They've done studies in- Ohio. There was an Ohio study that was done by John Husted, one of the most Republican uh, state politicians ever. He did a whole thing that he was trying to root out voter fraud. It turned out to be in Ohio, the rate of voter fraud turned out to be like 0.000001. You know, there was like yeah. one case and what is even prosecuted? It turned out to not be a thing. So it doesn't even exist nationally. Uh, per a Bush administration study, the Bush uh, Justice Department found out that the rate of voter fraud nationally over a 10-year span, I think this was 1995 to 2005, was zero, literally 0.000000035. That is statistically non-existent. If your chances of doing something were 0.000000035, you would have no chance of doing that. You would have no chance of winning whatever it is you were winning or doing whatever it is you were doing. It is basically zero. But yet 73% of Republicans think, oh, it happens all the time. Happens all the time. So satisfying. Yeah. So satisfying to know that uh, that half of all of our voters in this country really believe in this absolute fiction, that they're willing to take this professional sideshow carnival barker, this sideshow freak, and believe whatever he has to say. Yeah. He goes on Twitter, says three million people voted illegally, and everyone goes, oh, sure, of course, <laughs> because Trump never lies. Trump's always honest, isn't he? Yes, always. But at the same time, what's so weird is that Similar polls have shown that a vast majority of Republicans don't believe what Donald Trump has to say. I think it's 68% of Trump voters don't believe what Trump says. 68% of his own people do not trust him. And of course, that makes perfect sense. And that's sense. just going to go up. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, here's something that I want to dig into uh, with you here today, Kimberly, is because... Okay. Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller is someone we've talked about off the show, off mm-hmm. the air, right. quite a bit, because he may be, since uh, I think since Milo Yanniopoulos uh, decided, is that how you say his name? I don't care how you say his name. Since Milo... Uh, My, I think it's Yanopoulos. <laughs> yeah. Well, since Milo Yanopoulos was chased off of the world stage uh, ignominiously, um, you know what? 
Stephen Miller has entirely taken his place as the creepiest. Yes, absolutely. And the thing is, is that Milo is a nice enough looking guy. Stephen Miller looks like a ghoul. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is my music for Stephen Miller. <laughs> this works. I think this works. <laughs> yes. You can just totally see him. You know, and, and Imagine going out on a date. Like you've got a blind date and Stephen Miller comes knocking at your door. Knock, knock, knock. Hello, Stephen Miller here. Oh, God. And he's got this music playing and then, in then the background. Then you have the blood-scurdling cream scream when the door opens. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then you take one look at those lifeless eyes. They're like a doll's eye. Lifeless eyes. Black eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eye. Like a doll's eye. That's right. <laughs> Stephen Miller. Creepy, 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 creepy. Yeah. What's so funny is to see just like, and, and just as we lost Scaramucci, in comes uh, Stephen Miller back to the uh, yeah. back to the national stage, back to television, to basically crush on Donald Trump. It's like Stephen Miller, Anthony Scaramucci, just big old man crushes on on Donald Trump. Yeah. And uh, this look, was, look how well that paid off for rights. Yeah, for rights. Rights. <laughs> yeah, you know, Stephen Miller said this the other day on, I believe it was Fox and Friends. President Trump's the most gifted politician of our time, and he's the best orator <laughs> to hold that office in generations. Now and so you, we're going to take the message out uh, to the people. Because yeah. you said he is the leader of this nationwide and worldwide populist movement, and it's about uplifting working mm-hmm. class people, black, Hispanic, white, but they don't want to hear that. That's, that's Stephen Miller. He's, he's a... Trump is the most <laughs> gifted orator yeah, okay, okay. in the history of America. The most gifted politician. The most, the greatest president ever. Gives the best back rubs of any of any president. When he poops, it smells. <laughs> it already smells. Already smells like Febreze. Febreze. <laughs> Febreze. Oh, Febreze cre- linen. Creepy, creepy Stephen. Lifeless eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Black eyes. Like a doll's eye. Like a doll's eye. Yeah, I know. We're all terrified by Stephen Miller. He's the kind of guy, when I look at Stephen Miller, I just flash back to all kinds of like young Republicans that I knew in high school and yeah. college. These are just guys who, they're the guys. Remember this guy actually stood up in front of a crowd of fellow students and said, hey, you know what? If I want to throw garbage on the floor, why should I have to pick it up? The jan- That's why the janitors are here. That's why the subhuman so lowly disgusting. people are here. Yeah, he's he's terribly disgusting. And I'm looking forward to seeing Don Cheadle play him. <laughs> yes, that oh oh I can't even describe how happy that would make me. Yeah, I mean if they they have to pick Don yes, Cheadle. Yes, they have. I mean to. no offense to to Paulie Shore. I know I know you're a fan of Well, of I mean the, you the know Shore what's funny unit. though about Paulie Shore my little story is uh, I went to Netroots in um 2015. Yeah. And I was, the day that I was supposed to leave, I completely just either lost track of time or or I didn't really understand what time I was supposed to leave. I thought I was leaving at one time and later than I was. So I was sitting in the hotel lobby talking to my friend and I look at my ticket. I'm like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be at the at the uh, airport in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I freak out and, you know, we're racing to the airport and the slowest man in the world was taking the luggage. Oh, really? And it was like, he was just dumb. Was this guy ahead of you? China. <laughs> and China. I was like, ah! You know, and I'm like freaking out. And then Polly Shore was right there also, like me, freaking out over this slow guy. And like we shared this moment of frustration. You shared a moment of frustration yeah. with Polly Shore. Did, did he have lifeless eyes? Did he have doll's eyes? Lifeless no. eyes. Black and you know what? I, I, retweeted, uh, I retweeted him making fun of Miller. And then he retweeted me retweeting him. Yeah. And that was a damn fine Stephen that Miller. That was good. Impression. He was funny. I give it to him. I mean, I, I've, I've always liked him. I haven't always loved him or anything, but I've always, you know, enjoyed. There's, there's something satisfying, though, about a racist like Stephen Miller, like a demagogue like Stephen Miller being played by a famous black man. Yeah. And, and the fact that they look similar, like if you were to like work up uh, Don Cheadle in that Eddie Murphy makeup, I'm buying this newspaper you yeah, know, from, right. from that SNL sketch from like 1982. If you dressed up Don Cheadle like that and, and turn him because you could actually leave the hair just the same. 
maybe thin it out even more. Uh, and plus, they both have those giant bulbous foreheads. Have you noticed? So uh, Stephen Miller, meanwhile, is a candidate to lead the uh, White House's communications team. He might become the communications director. What could possibly go wrong? I can't imagine John Kelly actually allowing something like that. First of all, John Kelly has his own person that he's eyeing up, this guy named David LaPan. Uh, who he wants to step into the communications role. And and the communication uh, director job is a vitally important job. I mean, it is yeah. almost at the same level as like deputy chief of staff, chief of staff. It's on that same strata. And that would put Stephen Miller, if Stephen Miller became the communications director, in charge of vast mm-hmm. numbers mm-hmm. of people inside the White House. Be, I'm, sure, oh my I'm God. sure everybody working under him would love it. Yeah. Because, Can you imagine if he was your boss? Because he's so charming. Yeah. Always brings in birthday cakes for the staff, <laughs> you know, when there's ever a staff birthday. Always leads in the, for he's a jolly good fellow, cheers, and yeah, <laughs> gathers everyone together in the lunchroom, in the break room, to have booze and cake. Chocolate cake, big, beautiful chocolate big, cake. Big, beautiful. Big, the best chocolate cake from Mar-a-Lago. Always on everyone's birthday. Thank you, Steve. Hell <laughs> of a boss. Hell of a good guy. Nice guy. Warm guy. Wouldn't he be a guy who'd be totally generous in a relationship? Yeah, yeah. I, to- I totally bet that he's great in bed. How much do you want to bet that he's still a virgin? I would, you know what? I would I would bet maybe $1,000 that Stephen Miller is still a virgin. Well, you know what's funny is I used to have a boss yeah. who was maybe just a little tiny bit better looking than Stephen Miller, but not much. (laughs) And I would always talk about him to my girlfriend Mm -hmm. and make fun of him and everything. And she would always say, oh, you're in love with him. You're going to marry him. And then um, eventually she wound up interviewing with him and she got home from the interview and she asked me, she's like, do you think he's ever had sex before? (laughs) (laughs) See now, oh God, I just thought of something. Now I have to embarrass you. So you remember a a few shows ago, were you talking about how great looking Mark Kazowitz was? Everyone's been talking about this Great looking. Yeah. That's what I said. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a fine looking man. You said, <laughs> no, I did not. You did. He's not I a bad looking not. man. You said, Oh, okay. I said, he's not a bad not, looking man, but I didn't say he was great looking. So last night he was on for like two seconds on, on Rachel. They, Rachel showed a clip of him for like two seconds. You're like, look at him. He's got like a silvery sheen about <laughs> That's exactly his how face. I talk. Looks too. like a, <laughs> no, I'm doing this. That's my Kim, Kim Johnson impression. He's got a silver, glossy, silvery sheen about him. He's like a silver fox, that man. <laughs> That's it's not what silver, I said. I did like say there, it looked like, because look, every <laughs> single time they show him, he's got, he's got on that like podium with blue behind him, I think. Yeah. And then he's got this blue tie that's kind of like shimmery blue. And then his... There's, silver... there's nothing shimmery okay, about well, but it's got a Mark sheen. Okay. It's a sheen on his tie. It's a sheen. So then, and then his hair is silver. And then the, the way that the camera lighting, whatever, his lips have a certain, like maybe it's because he uh, licks them a lot. They're t- Maybe they're a little Are you glossy. Are no- you noticing that he's well, licking his I'm lips just, a lot? But that's why it gives the appearance and so you said you said all I see is an old lawyer with a splotchy face and I said okay fine (laughs) well then he looks it looks like there's like some shimmery sheen over his splotchy skin does he do like the darting cocaine tongue (laughs) (laughs) all right all right I'm gonna let you off though we're gonna gonna move on to something else half of all Republicans think the election should be postponed if Trump wants to I cannot believe that that's just staggering all right, so uh, the big news. Well, they just, from- but you know what? It, it, because they know that that uh, eventually Democrats are going to win again, and they just don't want that. No, no, absolutely not. Well, I mean, of course, they're happy with their guy. I don't know wh- how they could possibly be happy with anyone like that. I was on the uh, I was on KABC Radio yesterday in uh, Los Angeles. I was on the John Phillips show. It was John Phillips, who's a conservative, and I've been on his show many times. In fact, I used to go on his show uh, quite often back in 2010, 2011, around there. And uh, and and then we just parted ways for some reason. It wasn't sort of any argument or animosity. But I finally got invited back on the show yesterday. And uh, I just asked him point blank. I was like, are you okay with the fact that Donald Trump hasn't populated any of these State Department uh, uh, posts, any of these uh, posts inside the bureaucracy that absolutely should be populated with qualified professionals who know what they're doing and who understand foreign policy and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? 
He seemed more concerned with the federal judge positions. And then I asked him uh, whether he thinks Donald Trump acted properly when it came to North Korea, your favorite, your favorite subject. And he said, well, you know, he said, I, I think it was good that he was uh, tough talking against uh, Kim Jong-un, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, yeah, but don't you understand that he completely beclowned himself again? That I mean, this is if this is supposed to be Sebastian Gorka was on Fox and Friends the other morning talking about how uh, Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump's big uh, Cuban Missile Crisis test, which is what I was saying, believe it or not. But but from a different angle, like oh, he's badly failing this, and this is not going to turn out well. Sebastian Gorka was on there like, yeah, oh yes, he's the next JFK, and um, that of course is not the case. He completely failed this test, and so far as he was baited by and tested by Kim Jong-un. I've been talking about this for over a year now, that it was only a matter of time before Donald Trump got elected and was tested by some foreign leader, probably Kim Jong-un, probably North Korea, uh, because he's baitable. He's so easily baitable. Yeah. You can call this guy out and get him to make one unforced error after another, and that's exactly what he did. He gets, out, he gets up in front of a, a bunch of uh, cameras and microphones, uh, at bed on vacation in Bedminster, New Jersey, but he's on vacation and he and he starts going off. And we talked about this as it was happening on Tuesday's show, but we barely had any information or any details, so might as well talk about it now. So uh, he starts talking about how he's going to attack North Korea with fire and fury if they make any more threats. In fact, I have the audio. He said fire and fury, by the way, like twelve times. In the course of this audio, unbelievable. Well, count how many times this is fire and fury. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury. Oh my God. Fire, fury, fury, and fire. What? And as I said, what is he? fury, like <laughs> the world has never seen, the likes of which this world has never seen. Fire and fury. North what? Korea, What's he doing? He has fury, been very threatening, fire uh, beyond a normal statement. Okay. And as I said, they will be met with fury and fire, frankly, power, fire and fury, the likes of which this world has wow. never seen before. <laughs> the United States best not make any more threats. Thank you. Fury. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I had a little fun with that one. But boy, did he say fire and fury a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the idea here is that he he said if, if North Korea makes any more threats, as you heard there repeatedly, then they'll be met with fire and fury. So what exactly happens immediately after, almost immediately after he said that, Kim Jong-un says, oh, you know what? We're going to attack Guam, which is <laughs> a direct threat against an American territory in the Pacific. What did Donald Trump do? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Bluff totally called. He looks like such a, a spastic weakling now. Yes. And you know, it's, and this is going back, my conversation with John Phillips on the radio yesterday, I said, look, you know, it's one thing to t talk tough about your enemies, to, to take a hard line and come from a position of strength. It's another thing entirely to just spout off BS and then get totally screwed by it within seconds of actually saying it. And now we find out that none of this, none of this crap that he was talking about with the fire and fury, fury, fire, fire, fury, 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 right? Fire, 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 fire. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was completely spontaneous. No one authorized this. This was not a matter of, uh, of lengthy discussions on foreign policy to say, do we say this? Well, how do we approach uh, Kim Jong-un? How, uh, how do we talk about North Korea publicly? And, and none of this was thought through. You know how terribly, terribly dangerous that yes. is? That there's a president of the United States who's freelancing on dialogue to this North Korean regime and nuclear weapons, nuclear mushroom clouds are part of the equation in all of this. Yeah. And yet he's just spouting off like he's, again, like he's talking about, uh, like he's doing a campaign rally, for God's sake. This is completely irresponsible. Well, I mean, I'm hearing that it's, you know, coming from Bannon 
And I guess the fire and fury is supposed to be directly lifted from... So, and I could be wrong, I, you know. From, from Beavis and Butthead? Fire, fire, <laughs> yeah. fire. No, from some fire, video fire. game or something? I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. But in the end, it's still the idea that, that this Oh, language... if he got that from a video game, are you effing well, kidding but me? I, look, do not take that to the bank. I've seen, you know, just rumblings on Twitter and stuff that I haven't committed to memory. Except the fact that I have seen on more than one occasion, people have said this is Manafort's words. Oh, man. No, I'm sorry. Bannon. Bannon. Con- still, well, yeah, confusing yeah. Confusing okay. the two. Well, yeah, that seems like something that Steve yeah. Bannon would absolutely say when he doesn't have his own d- in his mouth. <laughs> Maybe there's that. <laughs> uh, reporters from the New York Times, Political, and the Washington Post all spoke to White House sources who advised not to read too much into Trump's comments, which were absolutely yeah, don't Trump's read words. into what the president says. Yeah, and they said these were not the words of the new chief of staff, John Kelly. Like Philip Rucker said, uh, Trump's fire and fury threat to North Korea was absolutely his own wording, a White House official tells me, not reading a Kelly script. Trump advisors found his North Korea comments unexpected, but it wasn't surprising per another White House official. Glenn Thrush says, per White House sources, Trump improvised fire and fury paper. Uh, Kelly surprised, not shocked. Uh, fire and fury from yesterday was not carefully vetted language from Trump per several people with knowledge. Don't read too much into it. Uh, didn't Rex Tillerson say, ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Ah, don't worry about it. I have a hard time with the, ah, don't worry about it. My friend, John, my conservative friend, uh, Tom Nichols was kind of doing the, ah, don't worry about it thing on Twitter yesterday. Like, you know what? I know Tom Nichols is a nuclear expert and I'm just a regular guy, <laughs> but look, uh, when nuclear weapons are involved, there's never any, ah, don't worry about it. Nuclear weapons, the, the destructive power of a nuclear weapon, I don't need to sit here and describe. We all understand this. Uh, this will be the first nuclear confrontation with emojis. That's always nice <laughs> See, following the nuclear standoff between the United States and North Korea now includes emojis hmm. and memes. That's the, the modern Cuban Missile Crisis, I guess. Yeah. That's the way we're handling these Yay. things now. So, uh, so North Korea not only immediately called Trump's bluff on the uh, fire and fury, uh, but Pastor Robert Jeffress, <laughs> he thinks the Bible gives Trump the authority to take out Kim Jong-un. This is a little scary. It's very scary. Yeah. The, there's nothing in the Bible about nuclear weapons. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I used to go to Catholic school. I haven't read every word of the Bible, but I'm fairly certain there's no discussion of, well, you know what, b- deliver fire and fury to your enemies by, by way of nuclear weapons. It's nothing like that. Here's Pastor Jefferson. The Bible gives President Trump the moral authority to use whatever force necessary, including assassination or even war, to take out an evildoer like Kim Jong-un. And I think most Christians understand that. Mm -mm. Do they? Do most Christians understand that the Bible gives them authority to take out evildoers? This is such a, oh, this country. Hello, Mueller, Mueller. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, doesn't this stuff all lend urgency to just getting him out of office? The fact that, I mean, the very fact that he is freelancing on nuclear warfare, that he's just ripping whatever out of his ass like he does on Twitter every morning, and he's doing that when it comes to a nuclear standoff with North Korea that could very easily, if provoked, if if Kim Jong-un is feeling suicidal, he could just easily launch an entire yeah. attack. He could just, I mean, not even nuclear related. He could just start launching artillery at Seoul. Yeah. And he could decimate that city. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of civilians in Seoul, not to mention American personnel. American personnel all along the demilitarized zone. I mean, could you imagine... A second Korean War, but with Donald Trump facing no, off really against can't. Kim Jong Un. This was my biggest fear on November eighth. This was the first thing that I thought when he was, I say in air quotes, elected. Yeah. Granted, I was not really thinking in terms of uh, Russia and Putin. Yeah. On November eighth, uh, Trump isn't a Russian, but he's certainly, in my opinion, a Russian agent. Um. And that frightens me because they're dismantling our democracy. But, you know, that's something that if we can get a grip 
we can get back. It's going to be difficult, but if 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 a nuclear you know weapon goes off, we're never going to get that back. Yeah, it's not like we're going to have an isolated incident of one nuclear weapon going off, especially with some lunatic like Trump in office. I know that um, he's got these advisors, but. He doesn't listen to anybody. Well, there's one upside to the North Korean thing that I've been noticing that uh, it is right now August and there will not be a war launched in August. If there's one thing we learned from the Iraq war, uh, from from the Bush years, that things politicians don't like to start things in August. Right. August is the time for people to go on vacation. People aren't paying attention. Uh, you never roll things out. Who is it? Uh, Donald Rumsfeld, I think, said something to the effect of, yeah, you never roll things out in August. Yeah. You wait till people are back at work, back at school, uh, paying attention to politics. And that's when you start things up. And so usually, you know, the, August is kind of a non-month. The, the, the atomic bombs dropping on Nagasaki and Hiroshima... Uh, notwithstanding, uh, Nixon resigning, <laughs> notwithstanding. By the way, the reason I played the Gerald Ford clip at the top of the show from SNL was because today, uh, in 1974, was Gerald Ford's first full day in office. Gerald Ford. He was inaugurated uh, in 1974 yesterday, but then he became officially the first full day of the Gerald Ford presidency uh, was today. Hmm. So there's that. We at least, at least while it's August, there won't be a nuclear confrontation. <laughs> at least, well, there won't be a war in August. Um, but there will be a lot of things that will escalate toward a right. war. This stuff doesn't happen uh, in absence of anything else. It's not like suddenly uh, Kim Jong Un says this, Donald Trump says that, and suddenly boom, war. It's it's a slow escalation. Now, because Donald Trump threatened North Korea with fury and fire and fire, 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 right. fire. <laughs> now that he's done that, Kim Jong Un responds, and then how do we respond? Well, can then and then uh, Kim Jong Un says, "Well, I'm not going to attack Guam, but I'm going to send a few missiles into the ocean near Guam." Right. So that's just that's a gradual escalation towards something bigger. And again, hopefully these generals who we're hearing all about, these generals are supposed to be the adults in the room. I don't necessarily buy the fact, while they may be adult-like, to leave it up to generals, uh, career military personnel, to pull yeah. us back from the brink of war. Uh, yeah, really. Sorry, I'm, I'm not feeling entirely confident about that assessment. So I don't know. I, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know where it's going to go, but it has to end. It has to stop. It has to, uh, we have to pull back from this before it gets really, really ugly. And I'm not saying this just because we're on the West coast of the United States. Mm. Uh, I don't know if anything that uh, North Korea has can, can reach the Bay area, but it's not just about that. It's, you know, it's about Guam. It's about South Korea. It's about Seoul. It's about Tokyo. It's about hell. It's about Alaska for God's sake. A lot, one of the the uh, uh, rockets that were tested a few weeks ago, didn't they say that they stretched out that arc that it could easily hit a place like yeah. Alaska or the yeah. Pacific Northwest? <sighs> Sleep tight, but at least there's emojis, right? There's at least <laughs> emojis to express our fear of nuclear war with North Korea. The other thing is, is, is I will be uh, cleanly shaven for the nuclear Armageddon. And I'll get that with my Harry's Razor. I love Harry's Razors, one of the uh, the great sponsors of this show. And I love them not just because they send me free razors. I love it because these razors are razors that make my face feel great. No more razor burn. It's fantastic. It's a smooth, clean shave from a blade that feels expensive but comes straight to my door at half the cost of the big name brands. That's what I love so much about shaving with products from Harry's, from the hefty balanced handle that fits in your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges that come with a trimmer blade, which is great to get those hard-to-reach areas, a lubricating strip, and a travel cover to Harry's Rich Lathering Shave Gel. Hey, you know what? Maybe that's why Mark Kazowitz has that glossy sheen about him. He's freshly shaven with his Harry's razor. Right? <clears throat> all right, it all started when two ordinary guys named Jeff and Andy got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular relentlessly jacked up their prices and made a fortune while doing so. And it ended up costing all of us a fortune. 
Jeff and Andy wanted to fix shaving, so they started by cutting out the middlemen. They bought their own factory, one that's been making engineered blades for over a century, so now they can ship top-quality blades directly to you. The result, quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying. Half. And that's Harry's story. Become a part of it. Jeff and Andy are so confident you'll love their products. They want you to go to harrys.com right now to sample their trial shave set for free. It's a $13 value, but all you have to pay is the shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. Write this down. Help support the show. Help support fine shaving products at Harry's. That's harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. And you, because you listen to this podcast, Jeff and Andy will even throw in a free post-shave balm. It's the mother of all balms. Uh, but only if you log on to harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to today's show. Thank you for supporting the show at Patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Really, really appreciate all of your uh, support over there and for using the Amazon link. I was hoping that we'd get a chance. Uh, Kimberly Johnson's here. I was hoping uh, Kimberly and I would get a chance to play the, uh, the new game on the show, uh, Stump the Amazon Link. Because Amazon.com has just about everything. And if you want to go shopping, oh, yeah. if you want to sh- uh, go shopping at Amazon.com, make sure to go to BobSeska.com and click the Amazon link just beneath the logo. And uh, you can save money on shipping. You can sign up for a free uh, subscription to Amazon Prime and get streaming videos and all kinds of extra uh, premiums going uh, through uh, Amazon.com and through our Amazon link. So thank you for doing that. Oh, by the way, if you have a small business, make sure to source all of your goods and materials through our Amazon link, right? If you need uh, staples, post-it notes, toner cartridges, uh, if you need something to serve big, beautiful chocolate cake to your office parties, just like Stephen Miller does, <laughs> I have <laughs> no idea. Uh, you can get all that crap through the Amazon link also and make sure to bookmark it while you're there. All right. Uh, so what else? Okay. So yeah, like I said, Kim Jong-un is planning to fire missiles into the waters near Guam. Watch... <laughs> Watch where these missiles land when this actually happens, because you know what? They've had some trouble with their Mm -hmm. missiles. They've had some trouble with their missiles actually reaching their intended target. So it'd be (laughs) wouldn't it be weird and ironic and really, 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 really awful if those missiles he was trying to hit the waters off of Guam, but then he actually ended up hitting Guam by mistake. You know, that's, that's something that's entirely possible. And then what happens? Trump has to respond. These are missiles, by the way, that I don't think will have warheads on them. But does it really matter if if suddenly an ICBM lands on Guam? That's a direct attack by North Korea on the United States. How does Donald Trump respond? I don't know. Donald Trump's crazy. He could do just about anything. A North Korean plan to fire four missiles near the U.S. Pacific territory of Guam will be ready for Kim Jong-un's consideration in days, state media has reported. And, of course, state media, who do you believe when it comes to North Korean state yeah, really. media? I mean, North Korean state media is responsible for all of those funny uh, and very obvious photoshops where Kim Jong-un is <laughs> is hilariously and very poorly photoshopped into scenes. Some of the scenes where he's just looking at things. It's like, well, why couldn't they get him to actually just look at something? But then they photoshop him into a scene in which he's looking at something. So uh, the intermediate intermediate range missiles uh, would be fired east over Japan before landing around 30 to 40 kilometers off the coast of the tiny island if the plan is implemented. That's the tiny island of Guam. That's according to state-run KCNA. Guam is more than 3,000 kilometers from North Korea. And how that translates into miles, I have no idea. (laughs) The plan is the latest provocation in a back and forth with Washington, which came to a boil on Tuesday when U.S. President Donald Trump appeared to threaten <laughs> nuclear war on the pariah state. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> and by the way, kids, don't start setting things on fire because you heard Beavis <laughs> and Butthead say fire. Remember that? Yes. Remember that? Oh, God damn it. I just thinking about that just really. God damn it. I know. It just really pisses me off. That they had to, they had to take some episodes of Beavis and Butthead off the air because some kid lit his mobile home on fire or something. Yeah, which is parents, 
parents. Let's let's talk to the parents for a second. Parents, <laughs> keep an eye on your goddamn kids. <laughs> so you you're not taking entertainment away from us. Yes, I'm I'm bitching about a controversy from 20 years ago. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so let's get into uh, let's get into uh, stupid Watergate here. Uh, Trump's uh, or uh, Manafort's Northern Virginia house was raided by the FBI, which is just such a fun fun news story yes. to me i mean should and it's be, freaking trump out should i be so delighted about such a uh, a story like this like a guy getting yeah should be playing this music should i should should the schadenfreude be this thick that paul manafort got interrupted Polly walnuts <laughs> while he was in his silk pjs and his and he and they get they said he was home He's, he, he was, was in home town, his, uh, spokesperson for manafort now see uh there was a U.S. attorney on Rachel Maddow last night who said, you know, maybe the story was kind of erroneous when they said that the federal agents were knocking on Manafort's bedroom door. Yeah. Meaning they had to blast their way through the front door of the place. I guess he's got well, some lavish I, condo. And I, I, I read um, somewhere, too, that I, it looked as if maybe the doorman was helping them be quiet about it because as Rachel Maddow pointed out last night, yeah. uh, nobody said anything for two weeks. I mean, he lives in a condo. It's not like he lives in a house, yeah. you know, in the woods or anything. So um, who knows, you know, I mean, I don't know though about the, um, did like the doorman give them a key? I, I don't know. It's it's possible that I don't think that, well, would the doorman have the power to let federal agents into well, I mean, yeah, if the an because, apartment though, because, I mean, into the building maybe, but into the the yeah, actual but, unit but itself. Yes, he would. I guess they would because if it's a search and seizure, it's the FBI. They get to do whatever the hell they want. Well, it's more fun to imagine that they took out one of those battering rams, right. like uh, like like Hank in uh, yeah, in Breaking Bad, just busting down the door of like a, a meth dealer and just raiding the house, screaming. There's a scene in the paper where they do that, too. But, I, you know, that's more fun to imagine where they were. <laughs> or, you know, the, the other scene is in Fargo, at the end of Fargo, where uh, Philium H. Muffman <laughs> is uh, is in that hotel, and the authorities break down the door, and he starts screaming and trying yeah. to crawl out the bathroom window. That would window. be awesome. <laughs> God, I wish they had, like, Lordy, I wish there were tapes of that. Lordy, I wish there were tapes. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I like to imagine that, except it's in some high priced condo in northern virginia and paul manafort is in his uh, slippery silk pajamas in the middle of the night yeah. and his his hair is all effed up all over <laughs> the place and he's screaming and trying to escape out of his bedroom window as the federal agent said federal agent mr manafort polly walnuts would you let us into your bedroom and uh, and finally they break the uh, bedroom door down and go in there and he's screaming bloody murder and they you know they put the knee in the middle of his back they put the hand like so, <laughs> I, I, yeah it'd be great when he gets arrested when he finally gets arrested and hauled away yeah. they, if, if they followed uh, Donald Trump's instructions yes. for arresting people they, don't put the hand yeah let him knock his head on the cop car yeah you know how they put the hand oh, god damn it he said lots of awful things but that one it's it's just so obnoxious where he's actually telling police officers to, to be more brutal <laughs> use more excessive force please especially when you put the hand on the head. Oh, he's so phenomenally annoying. But I yeah. hope that's what happens with the yeah, with Paul too. Manafort. Um, I'd love to see the pre, I'd love to see video of the pre-dawn raid. It's not of, exactly as exciting as Manafort, but still. Like Don Jr., maybe Eric Trump gets a pre-dawn raid. <laughs> I just Steve, love the Stephen term Miller. pre-dawn raid, and I, I encourage everybody to tweet to tr uh, Trump about it. Stephen Miller and his pre-dawn raids wearing a hairnet. <laughs> I don't know why. So they got when they went into Manafort's place, they got uh, what tax records? Yeah, uh, and then um, document something about um, foreign. Is it foreign banking documents? Yes, right. That's and and, like, and oh. the reason the reason they did this is possibly because he was not cooperating, like he was not turning over documents, and they had direct evidence that there was uh, there was documents that he had still in his possession that he wasn't delivering uh, uh, to Mueller's investigation. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so that's why they did this. And, and in order to get a search warrant of this nature, they had to have probable cause. Uh, well, in and other also words, the fact that, uh, you know, the people on Rachel last night were saying too. somebody was talking about this and saying, um, I think it was an Alabama lawyer yeah. was saying that normally it's like six o'clock in the morning on. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they did this at three o'clock in the morning 
Yeah. Is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? There's nothing there's nothing more horrible than that three anything that happens at three AM yeah. is just absolutely horrible. Just the very idea of getting a knock at the door at three o'clock in the morning is to me it's terrifying it's absolutely the idea like this can only be bad news like do i open this what do i do do i open the do i let the people in yeah well it's not like they're gonna just go away if you don't open (laughs) do do i frantically flush the cocaine what do i do with the bags and bags of cocaine do i put it (laughs) down the toilet i don't know uh but that was the oh that was the other thing that um was said about the this kind of raid is that you know it's usually done especially at three o'clock in the morning because um you know they're 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 concerned that the person might be flushing something down the toilet which would have to do with drugs or you know uh trying to get rid of evidence or or fleeing yeah exactly well that's that's precisely why they do it at that it's meant to shock it's meant to say you know what we mean business here. Stop effing with us. We're going to come back and we're going to come back and we're going to come back when you least expect yeah. it. So watch out. And you know what else this is? This is a signal to the other people that they're trying to get documents from. Yeah. Don Jr. Exactly especially. Right, yeah. I keep thinking like. Well, but then, you know, they're all getting rid of it now. If, if I, they didn't get rid of it before, they're getting rid of it now. If I had my choice of videos to be able to see. Oh, Lordy, I wish there were tapes. Yeah. It would not be the Paul Manafort pre-Don raid. It would be if when there is, and if there is, a Don Jr. Oh, Don Jr. Pre-Don raid. Oh, just Trump. Can you imagine the pre-Don raid at Trump Tower and Trump is there? Or maybe like Bedminster or something? Right. I mean, I don't know why they would raid him at his vacation place or like Mar-a-Lago or something like that because he wouldn't have documents there. Uh, Most likely, all the documents that Trump has are in Trump Tower. And the Secret Service is already there. But I mean, that's a raid I would love to see because you know you wonder what you wonder what Trump would look like at that hour of the morning. <laughs> yeah, God only with the knows. Hair. I mean, do you think I, I was joking about Stephen Miller who doesn't have any hair, right. wearing a hairnet uh, to protect what little hair he's got left? But do you think that Donald Trump does the uh, the George Clooney and Oh Brother Where Art Thou thing where he put, has to put a like a hairnet to keep his hair <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that? Maybe. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to my uh, the guy who cuts my hair. I go to like a regular barber shop over here, uh, and you know, with a barber pole out front, just the the old style barber chair and everything like that. And and my uh, the guy who cuts my hair and a couple of his buddies while I was there getting my hair cut, we're all talking about Donald Trump's hair. And he was this guy who cuts my hair was talking about how uh, there's another guy who comes into the shop who has a Trump like comb over, and asked you know asks him to give him a trim, but he's not allowed to. uh, like touch the trajectory of the swirl on the head. Yeah. That stays in place, but he just has to trim whatever stray hairs emerge out of that preordained form. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I wonder if that's Donald Trump just keeps his hair like that at all times. There are, which means there are probably bugs and yeah. small, small rodents, <laughs> bugs in his hair. <laughs> I would love now that's something I would love to see at the next Trump uh, press conference or rally uh, a close up shot of like a spider crawling out of the back of his hair and then crawling into the front of his hair. (laughs) That would be so entertaining to look at. But anyway, so I mean, you imagine Donald Trump during a pre-dawn raid just going full, you know, William H. Macy at the end of Fargo. That would be that would be a lot of fun with his hair flying all around. Oh that my just, god! That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, ha- just half naked, <laughs> man boobs hanging out. <laughs> That's a video. That's a tape I want to see. Uh, meanwhile, back to uh, Polly Walnuts. Uh, Paul uh, Paul Manafort's uh, bank records uh, have been hit with subpoenas. Uh, U.S. Special Counsel Robert Mueller is bearing down on former Trump campaign chairman. This is from Bloomberg, by the way. Uh, uh, Paul Manafort, as he directs a wide-ranging probe into Russian interference, blah, blah, blah. Mueller's team of investigators has sent subpoenas in recent weeks from a Washington grand jury to global banks, to the banks themselves, for account information and records of transactions involving Manafort and some of his companies, as well as those of longtime business partner Rick Gates, according to people familiar with the matter. Now, the question there is, are any of Manafort's illegal banking transactions mm-hmm. even documented right. in some way? Yeah, I mean, it just seems to me if I were uh, involved in nefarious activities, I would be getting rid of or, or not having those things in my home. Yeah, but. I mean, it, it just seems like anything that like smacks of money laundering 
would but then be, again, yeah, but I don't, I don't know up. how this all works. I don't, like, I don't know the intricate games they play. Yeah, but I mean, then again, you're, I mean, you're right, because um, it's entirely possible that in this series of subpoenas, as they are able to acquire all these documents, you never know what might end up getting accidentally slipped into the mix of yeah. documents. You know, there may be some telltale sign that uh, that they that they're doing what we're saying they're doing. Yeah. Which is laundering money. And there'd be some sort of minor documentation right. somewhere that would then reveal the, uh, uh, the money laundering behind the curtain. Yeah. To put it, uh, to put it that way. Meanwhile, Manafort's son-in-law could end up cooperating with the investigation. I'm surprised that Manafort isn't cooperating. It seemed like, seemed to me as if he's got the most to lose. Cause he's like the money guy. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like, like at this age too, right? He, uh, he wants to go to jail. Yeah, and I would, I would be surprised if Trump actually would end up pardoning Manafort. Yeah, well, you know, he's smearing him now in the Inquirer. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that, and and it's been our theory. In fact, long before Rachel started mentioning it, we kind of had a theory about the National Enquirer, kind of like not predicting, but. Uh, giving us hints in terms well, of what's going to come next. Trump is friends with the guy who runs it. Yeah. And so everything is pro-Trump. Every time I'm in the grocery store, I I uh, take those magazines and put them... Put them backwards. Yeah. Or yeah. I put other magazines... I put them backwards and then I put I put them like down low and I put other magazines in front of them because f*** the inquiry... Oops, excuse me. <laughs> I forgot about you. Just go, go ahead. <laughs> I'm already bleeping this whole show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's it's really discouraging to see that, too, because you know that that's part of the effort to brainwash uh, regular people. Yeah. I mean, when you have that kind of billboard at every checkout line in every grocery is, store yeah. in and the you entire know, United I States. I asked somebody, I was in the line at the grocery store, and I asked one of the uh, checkers about it, and I said, do a lot of people buy this? And she just looked at me and shook her head like, yes. It's so God. sad. Oh, my God. Sad. Well... Uh, yeah, that's super discouraging. Yeah, it I mean, is very... you know, it's it's crap like that that I just go, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what can you possibly do about that? And it's and it's just breeding all kinds of uh, misconceptions about what's really going on. Because, like it or not, people believe what they see. Yeah. in print, and especially in the Inquirer, there are so many people. You go, oh, the Inquirer is just tabloid crap. But, but yeah, you may think that. Right. I may think that. But there are, I mean, this is another Millions generation. But of I, Americans who believe it. I've known lots of people who believe what they read in the Inquirer. And some of it they disbelieve, but, but a lot of it they believe. The politics, the Trump stuff, that's serious reporting, isn't it? The stuff about some uh, cr- crazy Batboy character, that's fake. By the way, I realize that Batboy is the weekly world news and not the Inquirer, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. We got to take one last break and then we'll come back. Uh, we'll wrap up the show right after these words. At Bubble Genius, we know that it's a dog eat dog world. And sometimes all you've got is man's best friend. <laughs> we know you do anything for your precious pup. When he's a good boy, you give him his favorite treat. When he's got to go, you take him for a nice walk. When he destroys your favorite shoes, you scold him, lament, and go shoe shopping. And when he eats God knows what and his ass becomes a dirty, stinking mess, well, we've got your backside on that one. You know that we bubble geniuses make fun, awesome soaps for people, but did you also know that we make stuff for your best friend? We've got dog soaps, shampoos, and conditioners that'll clean your disgusting doggy in no time and leave him soft, cuddly, and smelling super. And we don't stop with the D stinking there. We also make Kismet, our flea-repelling doggy perfume that leaves your pup smelling sweet and dreamy. <coughs> doggy kisses leaving you offended at your pup's palate? Turn those sour smooches to sweet with Kiss Me, our all-natural breath spray for dogs. Works wonders on humans, too. <coughs> Pamper your precious pup with genius products and more at BubbleGenius.com. Seska. Fire, fire, fire. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. 
All right. Thank you for joining us on our Thursday show. Kimberly Johnson is here. Author of the forthcoming sequel, Peyton's Fetus. <laughs> Coming soon to fine retailers everywhere. I'm turning that into an animated movie. <laughs> you should. I'm totally going to do it. I'm going to get like a celebrity cast of voices. I'll get Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. I want Mark Hamill to be the voice of Peyton's Fetus. Oh my Fetus. God, that would be so awesome. Be so you awesome. know, I just, I'm just going to throw this in there. Yesterday I did a, a little bit of a Twitter thread thingy. Yeah. About, you know, I feel so stifled in this with the Trump administration mm-hmm. because as I explained in my thread on Twitter, yeah. um, you know, when I started all of this uh, advocacy and activism and blogging, I... Uh, Geared toward feminism, right? Yeah, it, it, the- was, it was in 2012. It was during, you know, let's see, when when did it start? Probably, it, well, it all actually started in around April, March or April, because that's when Rush Limbaugh attacked Sandra Fluke. And just prior to that was all the talk of um, the Susan Komen Foundation defunding Planned Parenthood. Sandra Fluke, who just now started following me on Twitter, by the way. I'm so jealous. And I met her. (laughs) But anyway, um, you know, I I was asked at the time to be the spokesperson for Rock the Slut Vote. Yeah. And I accepted, Mm -hmm. which led to um, other opportunities. I got to speak on the nation's capital twice. And the second time I did it uh, was that the We Are Woman, which I am now the spokeswoman media director for, I got to spoke about the equal rights amendment and i w- i wrote two books during the time um starting 2012 to you know i, I peyton's choice came out last year mm-hmm. so um the first book was called american woman the pole dance women voting and that yep. was a combination of like um a little bit of p- past history about feminism the importance of voting my experiences of feminist online just, just all kinds of different things and then i wrote my first nonfiction piece about a teenager choosing abortion and so i you know i mean i i was there online with all the other feminists and we were all you know going after people like Todd Aiken who said women, you know, there's such a thing as legitimate wh- rape and um Grant, Glenn Grothman who said men need to make more money than women because it's men uh, money is more important to men. Yeah. I mean, there's just like so many of them and their stupid comments. And to me right now, women's issues are still under attack in, in a big way, but they're so overshadowed by everything, you know, the Russia thing, the threat of nuclear war, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and it's like, I can't, I can't just go write about another closing of Planned Parenthood. I, know. I mean, the, the articles are everywhere. Everybody else is writing about it. I feel like I don't know what to even say. Yeah. I, I don't even know what there is to say because right now my focus is pretty much, uh, you know, on, I mean, it's on a variety of things, but the Mueller investigation and the Schneiderman New York investigation, those are the things that I'm really paying attention to. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I mean, I consider myself above all, an author and an activist. Yes, I'm a blogger, but I'm not some kind of, um, you know, pundit who has been talking about politics my whole life. I I, I certainly was not interested in politics when I was younger. I didn't study it in school. So I don't have all these points of reference like you have. You know, I mean, it's not to say that I don't know what I'm talking about. I try to stick to what I know. Um, and then when I don't know, I'll just admit it. I don't know. But I don't feel like I always have the authority to, um, you know, write about c- certain things involving the government. Well, you know, I, I, just, I just, I mean, yeah, I have opinions, but it's like this administration is kind of throwing me off my game. Well, that's, I mean, I don't think it's something that you should be apologizing for if, if you're not writing about things that, that aren't in your areas of expertise. I think that, I think more people need to do that. People need to stick with the areas that they're experts in and, and to avoid things that they're not, uh, that they don't have expertise in. And I think that, uh, I think the people would be much more informed. I think the writing would be generally better. Uh, but now everyone's an expert in everything. Right. And that's, that's not good. Yeah. That's well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to, even say that I mean I can have my opinion about it. That's yeah. that you know everybody gets to have the opinion, but I, I can certainly understand what you're you're saying here because I, I, in fact I wrote about this in the uh, Banter Magazine this week. It just hmm. went up uh, this morning. In fact, that uh, that Donald Trump is really suffocating America. Yeah. I mean he's sucking the life out of the United States uh, because. Now we're at a point where everything is revolving around Donald Trump's giant pumpkin head. Yeah. And that's not good. We have 
it's impossible to avoid Donald Trump. Even in our supermarket checkout lines, it's Donald Trump all the time. And that's the way he wants it. He's breeding an environment of absolute chaos where you cannot look away. And it's impossible to talk about anything else other than Donald Trump. And I'm not saying that we should stop talking about Donald Trump. I think we need to talk about Donald Trump. I'm just saying that we, in a certain way, we have no choice but to talk about Donald Trump. And it is... You know, it's just it's sucking the oxygen out of everything. I'm I'm finding that uh, that I I have to I have to not necessarily force myself to cover Donald Trump. It is just unavoidable. Yeah, I mean, I've, it is. I've never. I mean, just looking through as just as a, as a random uh, anecdotal example of how much energy Donald Trump uh, requires, how much how much coverage Donald Trump requires. I must have. Two or three hundred audio clips of Donald Trump yeah. in my audio library. Uh, yeah, you know how many clips of Mitt Romney <laughs> I have. I had a couple hundred Donald Trump clips even before the election. Mitt Romney clips. I have six wow. Mitt Romney clips from 2012. Six Donald Trump. Something like 200. This guy wants everyone to be talking about him 24 hours a day, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether we're calling him a nincompoop or whether, you know, his supporters are calling him the greatest president to ever live. Uh, It doesn't matter. As long as we're talking about Donald Trump, that's what he wants and that is what he is demanding. And we have no choice. Those of us who do this for a living, uh, you know, I don't consider myself an activist. I consider myself a political writer and a political bro- a podcaster. We, what I do, I have, I have to cover Donald Trump all the time. Fortunately, it's something that I'm still okay with. I still feel motivated to do it, but put, take me out of the equation. You take you out of the equation, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. When you talk to regular people, it's going to get to the point of absolute saturation yeah. where people are going to have such tremendous Trump fatigue way, way earlier than any other president. I mean, the way I feel about Donald Trump right now, after 200, how many days into the it's Trump crisis? Or two or two, 202, 203 like days. That. I think I have it written down here. Yeah, it's 203. Trump crisis day 203. Uh, it feels like we're at the end of a... Of, two four-year terms it feels like yeah it feels like it's been eight years already with trump i cannot see how this is sustainable and well, I, again isn't. i'm not talking about people professional pundits and writers like you and me i'm talking about regular voters who have one foot in the area of politics but who also have their other foot in their day-to-day lives yeah. and whose whose lives are made even more stressful and more stomach-churning Because Donald Trump is in their living room all the time. You cannot avoid this fat bastard. It's impossible. And uh, and that that cannot be sustained. That is going to end sometime soon. And if there's anything that drives the eventual impeachment of Donald Trump, it's going to be a combination of two things. It'll be if the economy starts to uh, disintegrate a little bit, or even a lot, hopefully not either of those scenarios. Right. I'm certainly not wishing for that. Uh, as someone who was destroyed by the Great Recession, I don't want any of that again. But if that happens, if the Dow starts going down, if uh, job creation starts going down and unemployment starts going up again, uh, that's going to turn people against Donald Trump to the point now where his 36%, uh, according to Gallup, goes down to 26%. Mm-hmm. That combined with Trump fatigue. Mm-hmm. Because there has been no other politician in the history of the United States has who has occupied this much daily, even hourly attention from regular people yeah. that than Donald J. Trump, and and this whole model. I mean, you know, he's applying this media sort of attention grabbing model that he's always used to American politics. The problem is that. With shows like The Apprentice or The Celebrity Apprentice or a supermarket tabloid, you can turn away safely from those things and not paying any any attention to them. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about issues like your own health insurance, your own health care, or possibly a nuclear Armageddon on the Korean Peninsula, suddenly your attention is grabbed and, and it's inescapable. 
Donald Trump is inescapable because it, it has so much more importance than, say, whether or not uh, celebrity X or Y said something crazy. It's like, how many people are talking about Tom Wopat and the fact that he stuck his finger up someone's butt, allegedly? <laughs> I mean, that was like a, a one-hour story, and we forgot about it. Donald Trump is applying that kind of attention-grabbing to, like I said, to American politics, and it's it's going to destroy him, and that's that's the best news. Well, wait, wait. Speaking of Trump, I just what? saw this. Oh speaking no! Speaking of Trump, I just saw this tweet come down. Oh no! Uh, according to Kelly O'Donnell, and this is coming from I don't know how to say his name, but it's Ken Delanian, maybe from N- um, NBC. Yeah. So, according to Kelly O'Donnell, Trump just now said he thanks Putin for kicking U.S. diplomats out of Moscow, saying we want to reduce our payroll. What? Yeah, that but yeah, by what? <laughs> yeah, like it's a, that's what's keeping America from um, being great. Yeah, that's what's keeping the uh, national debt from yeah. really uh, declining. Uh, those <laughs> those diplomats, those six hundred diplomats in Moscow or whatever. I don't even know what that means. Thank because we need we need to reduce payroll. Yeah, I mean, the, the, he thinks he's the boss, and he's just making this into some kind of like business thing oh we just got you know we're just downsizing oh my god see what i do is i use reverse a reverse psychology vladimir putin i'll say hmm it's good that you did that that's great news and then suddenly he want to put all well, the well you know he needs to in. ram back up uh putin's rear <laughs> yeah that's right he needs to settle in a little more if you know what i mean but... oh good lord Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell is the uh, frenemy of the week. It's hilarious to see this happening because now we're starting to see the pattern. You know what I'm saying? A few weeks ago, Jeff Sessions was the frenemy of the week. Yeah. And then last week, it was McMaster. And now it's Mitch McConnell. (laughs) 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 Mitch, get back to work and put repeal and replace tax reform and cuts and a great infrastructure bill on my desk for signing. You can do it. That's what Trump tweeted from vacation. Unbelievable. Good Lord. Can you believe, he said, can you believe that Mitch McConnell, who has screamed repeal and replace for seven years, couldn't get it done? Must repeal and replace Obamacare. He's going to keep effing that chicken, isn't he? He totally is. And by, by the way, antagonizing the Senate Majority Leader, not a good idea. Especially when the Senate is the place where they conduct well, they're feuding. impeachment trials take place in the Senate. Yeah. Mitch McConnell is an important player in that particular body. So, good luck, Biff. Yeah, Biff. Now, Biff, don't con me. <laughs> All right, the postmortem show is coming up next. Go to bobseska.com, click the Patreon link just beneath the logo. It's in all capital letters. It says Patreon. And that'll take you to our Patreon page where you sign up for uh, $5 a month and get two uh, postmortem shows, a little bonus show that we do at the end of this. And then uh, if you sign up at $10 a month, you get those two postmortem shows every week plus the after party. $15 a month gets you all that crap plus an unbleached. <laughs> commercial-free version of this show. So go right now. Go do it now. BobSeska.com. Click the Patreon link. It's right next to the Amazon link, by the way, if you want to go shopping. And uh, go and do it. Support the show. Thanks, folks. We'll see you on the after party tomorrow. Bye-bye. Ford.